Now it's time for our scripture reading this morning, and before we hear that, I'd like to ask you at home as you listen to this scripture, if you would think about what it would be like to be one of these two men on this road to Emmaus, what emotions and feelings would they have been having that day? We'll get back to that in my sermon, and I'm going to ask you about those if you want to share those. But for now, today's scripture is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us on the road, when he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So over the last several weeks, while we've been sheltering at home, I've made it a point to take a walk 
every day. I have this route through my neighborhood, the longest of which is about three and a quarter miles, and I have a few variations if it's too hot or a little rainy that are shorter than that. I just don't go into every single cul-de-sac. And I always use my Fitbit to track my walk because if you don't track it, did it really happen? Right? No, I didn't think so. So, and I've noticed something. I walk faster when I'm by myself. About two or three times a week, I would say, my husband Stephen will come with me and we talk the whole time we are walking. I'm not saying that he slows me down. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that our talking is what slows us both down. And the reason that I'm talking about this at all is I was thinking about it. I was, I was looking at the scripture today and thinking about the amount of time these men spent walking in one day. It says they walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about seven miles. And I got to thinking, well, maybe since they were talking among themselves and then talking to Jesus, it probably took them, this is just my statistics, yours might be different, your mileage might differ. Um, it probably took them two and a half hours, I would think, to get there. And then they um, had at least part of a dinner and then headed right back in the evening. And I bet they walked faster going back, though. I bet they made it in under a couple of hours then. But I just thought, what a long day. They had a long walk. They had a, at least some of a meal and then a long walk back. And all of this was on Easter, the very first Easter. That was the on that same day that the scripture was talking about. And by the way, that's not all that happened even after they got back to Jerusalem because after that, the Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus appears right there in their midst. And I just thought, what a busy day. What a busy day for everyone involved. I'm kind of envious of that, honestly. I am fortunate to still be working during these last six weeks where we've been sheltering in place, but since I work from home, even that seems slow and dull, and there is certainly nothing exciting going on after work or on the weekends right now. Nothing comes close to feeling busy. At any rate, this story of two followers of Jesus, men who had great hopes for who Jesus was and what he would do, this story of two followers of Jesus walking along, talking about Jesus, explaining to a stranger about Jesus, all the while not realizing that it is Jesus they're talking to, it's a story that can really make us scratch our heads. Now during these weeks after Easter, Pastor Arthur, Pastor Reed, and I are looking at these gospel scriptures with an eye to what it is that Jesus unlocked within his followers. What is it that he offers to unlock within us as well? And so here in this story, we find Jesus unlocks many things. The scriptures, their understanding, their eyes, and then their witness. Jesus, on that road to Emmaus, 
comes alongside of these men and offers the intervention that they needed, enabling them to see that, yes, Jesus was the prophet, the redeemer that they had hoped for, and beyond that, he is the risen one. It is a beautiful thing in this scripture that it is only when the bread was broken that they recognize who had been with them the whole time. It is a beautiful thing and an appropriate thing that they recognize him at a meal told about in the Gospel of Luke. Because Luke is a gospel, if you go back and look at it, and Robert Karras, a commentator I read this week, noted that in Luke, Jesus is always going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. It sounds like quarantine to me. Anyway, it is a beautiful thing that in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened and their feet were propelled forward to tell the story that they now understood even better. Now today, we are aware that we have been called to treat everyone we meet, maybe particularly those in need, everyone that we meet, we're asked to treat as if they are Jesus himself as if we were hosting angels among us. But I ask you this, do we run the risk of being like these two men on the road to Emmaus? We read this story and we might be prone to putting great weight on one of the phrases within it where it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And we might imagine that that means that there was some kind of holy fog or holy veil that was placed over their eyes so that they wouldn't know him. And that in that time during which they were not aware of who they were talking to, they would really be able to learn something about what it means to recognize Jesus on the other side of the resurrection. But I ask this, do we run the risk of being like these two men, unable to see the people around us, unable to see Jesus in the people around us, and unable to see Jesus walking, moving, talking around us? And here is where I want to see what you thought as you heard the scriptures this morning. I want you to think about those men that day as they are approached by Jesus and think about if it wasn't some divine haze that God put over their eyes, what might have been clouding their vision, their perception, their minds as they were walking? What feelings did you think of that might have been filling their hearts and minds as they move away from everything that they had seen happen in Jerusalem? So if you had some ideas about what sorts of emotions were really filling up their minds that day, I'd love if you would share those in the comments. I've noted a few myself, and then I'll see what y'all have to say. They could have very easily been feeling disappointment, grief, dismay, despair, disillusionment. Fear, helplessness, betrayal, disappointment, confusion, 
they might have been humiliated that they had followed this man. They might have had skepticism filling their mind. Embarrassment, powerlessness, insecurity. And I see y'all are sharing these. I've read some of these that y'all have shared. Thank you. You know, the list can go on and on. And none of these emotions that we're talking about are ones that you and I are unfamiliar with. None of these emotions that are incapable um, of blocking us today from seeing and hearing Jesus are ones that we aren't feeling ourselves. So earlier this week, I was having my Wednesday night Bible study. We're using Zoom, and we were talking about worship. And we talked a lot about how the way we are forced to worship now is unwelcome, but it can have its blessings too. And we talked about what worship means to us and what it should mean to us. And Cindy Sapp said something that just really hit home with me. She said that when we come to worship, we should be much more like the children who come to children's moment when we see them. When they, when they come forward, you know, you ask them a question, any question that you ask them, and they answer excitedly, oh, it's Jesus. They know who we are talking about when we ask those questions, and they are excited about the answer, and that's how we should be. That's how we should be about worship, and we should worship like that everywhere, everywhere. Now, I stole today's sermon title from a Lauren Daigle song. Daigle explains that she draws on the innocence and purity of childhood to help her maintain a passion for life. Now, if anyone has any doubt that Lauren Daigle has a passion for life, I invite you to just follow her on Instagram for one day. One day. And when she talks about her song, Look Up Child, she says, there are so many things in life as adults that we get completely overwhelmed by. And it gets really difficult the older you get. And you know what? She says, I don't want to live like that. The lyrics of her song ask questions of God. Questions like, where are you now when darkness seems to win? When the world is crumbling? When all I feel is doubt? When I can't figure it out? Now we all have questions like that, don't we? And in her song, she hears what God has to say to her in answer to those questions. He says, Look up, child. Look up, child. Look up. Jesus is on the road with these two men whose eyes are clouded over, perhaps with divine intervention, perhaps because Jesus was in a different form, but perhaps because of all of the emotions that were filling their head and mind. Look up. Jesus is breaking bread with them and unlocking them for faithful witness. And look up. Jesus is present with us too in ways that transcend appearances on roads and in upper rooms. Look up. Jesus is at every table we find ourselves at, making every meal sacred 
and eye-opening. Where will your feet take you in faithful witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ? May we all go as children of God with an unlocked, childlike, excited faith saying, Oh, it's Jesus! To all we meet for the glory of God and in love of neighbor and stranger alike. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are patient with us when we have you right in front of us and we miss you. We ask that you would clear away the fog and the haze that keeps us from seeing you in our friend and neighbor and keeps us from seeing you at work in the world. We ask you to call us to you, Lord, to hear and to listen to all you have to say and to move our feet as faithful witnesses to the love and grace that we find in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.